over the last few years, Australia, India and New Zealand have been quite strong sides. And I don't think you could say the same about England. And, and some of the pitches certainly that they have played on and, and their whole team's batting averages in, in themselves are, are lower. So I, I think there's definitely a strong case to be made that Joe Root is significantly underrated. Welcome back to Cricket Central, the podcast where we discuss all the big stories and many small ones. I am Tebwin Jarvis and I'm here just with Ethan and Navod today. Pearson's over in the mother country, as he calls it, over in England. And I think it's a very good time for him to be gone and unable to be on the podcast because you would have to say, well, to be fair, we, we've said it for the past three weeks, I think, that it's the best moment for English cricket um, in the past couple of years. Um, but it's well and truly today as Basball went 4-0, um, uh, beating India um, in the most remarkable of, of the tests. Um, all that to discuss later. But first off, uh, how are you both? Navod, how's it going? Yeah, um, not too not too busy these days, just watching cricket. And yeah, I was hoping to watch a bit more, but the yeah, it's all it's all finished. So we've got the Sri Lanka test tomorrow, which is which is good. So I'll definitely tune into that one. Yeah, well, we were just before going on the podcast. All the big news was that it was England winning, but and we almost forgot that uh, we had the first Australia Sri Lanka test that we still haven't discussed yet. And you may be thinking it's probably uh, best that we don't discuss it from a um, Sri Lankan perspective, but. Uh, We'll see how the second one goes. And um, Ethan, what have you been up to getting up before 4, a, uh, 4 p.m. Uh, these days? Or? Yeah, I'm, I'm slowly improving. It was it was about 12 today, so we'll take that. I mean, we're different lineup today. We've got Ted for a bit of structure, Navod for a bit of insight, and I'll have to take Pearson's role with the outrageous calls and gibberish. So looking forward to it. <laughs> yes, and the two-minute-long monologues uh, after I've asked the question. So uh, maybe don't don't replicate. <laughs> Yeah, this, I fear I fear this podcast is just going to be bagging Pearson the whole whole time. But you know, I'm there's nothing that, wrong so. with that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I have to see now. Nothing wrong. Yeah, with that, I so, think yeah. Pearson expects that really. To be honest, uh, he's um, got accustomed to it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm a was out with a few friends and a bit under the weather at the moment. So I'm definitely going to be relying on uh, you guys to to do the lion's share um, of this podcast. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. And um, without further ado, um, we should probably discuss that that um, Australian performance against Sri Lanka in the first test. In the end, um, well, it, it was an absolute destruction um, being finished in less than three days. Um, uh, we, we discussed the first day, I think, on, on the last podcast, Sri Lanka all out for 212 uh, with Nirishan Dikwela being the star there and Nathan Lyon getting his 28th fifer. In the end, when we left it in the Australian innings, it was sort of very evenly poised. We didn't know which way it was going to, to go. Um, we correctly predicted that Travis Head would only make six runs um, and really look all at sea against the spin over there. But it was Cameron Green, much to Ethan Prabs's um, absolute joy, having uh, and well, and and your great skill in predicting um, the brilliance of Cameron Green, seventy-seven of one hundred and nine balls looked beautiful against the spin. Uh, probably the best I've seen him bat. Actually, Alex Alex Carey with forty-five as well. Australia three hundred and twenty-one in the first innings. Um, Ramesh Mendes was the good bowler for Sri Lanka with four wickets. Um, and at that stage, Australia were probably ahead, but I don't think any of us could have predicted. Um, the absolute destruction which would have happened from then on. Sri Lanka getting all out for 113 
with Nathan Lyon getting uh, another four. But Travis Head channeling Michael Clark from 2004, taking four wickets for 10 runs in just 2.5 overs. Um, an absolutely uh, unbelievable performance by Travis Head. Um, and then in the end, that required Australia just to have 10 runs to win. And David Warner knocked that off um, in just four balls. Really, in the end, quite a disappointing end to it for Sri Lanka. Um, they just looked a bit overcome uh, in that second innings, Navon. Yeah, definitely. I think our batting was uh, pretty subpar um, on that final, uh, on our final innings. Um, yeah, Dimuth Kartner had to look to try out a little bit of Bazbourne, but didn't quite work out. Um, and yeah, no one really made any impact with the, uh, with the bat. So yeah, I think it's just a really turning pitch and we're just not suited to, we just can't play spin, it, which is, you know, really disappointing since most of our frontline, you know, players are spinners. So um, yeah, a very disappointing loss. Um, not sure what kind of skill like Travis Head just unlocked out of nowhere to get that fourther, but um, yeah, look, it is quite a disappointing bad performance. I thought setting 212 in, you know, with how we collapsed in the first innings was an, a really good achievement. But obviously, yeah, we couldn't continue that on uh, in the second uh, inning. So, yeah, very disappointing. But uh, yeah, we'll look to towards the uh, the second test and let's hope we do well in that one. Yeah, well, I guess the, the question for, for Sri Lanka was whether it was just sort of poor decision making with the batting or whether there's sort of a, a lack of talent there at the moment. Um, we had a listener who sent a message um, to the podcast who was absolutely scathing of Sri Lanka's batting performance and the tactics they had. Um, I'll read out what he says here. Um, to be honest, I think he might have been a little drunk at the time he wrote it. It was uh, probably a little over the top, but he raises some interesting points in it. Um, he says, Sri Lanka are a disgrace. I don't care if they think sweeping and aggression is their best way to go about test cricket. You have to adapt those junk tactics and attitudes when you were getting obliterated at your home, when you've butchered the pitch to supposedly favour the gross, <laughs> the gross tactics you pushed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a, a bit fun, but the, the broad point he's got there, do you think they were a little too aggressive um, in their tactics against the, Australian spinners there, especially against Nathan Lyon, who, who gets a bit more bounce than most of the spinners um, in in Asia. Some of the, you know, the, the difficult thing is for me, sweeping worked so well for the Australians with Kawaja um, and uh, Alex Carey, who basically only swept, and um, Cam Green as well. But then the Sri Lankans really weren't able to do it at all. So do you blame that on the, the strategy that they had, or was it just that they weren't able to they didn't have the talent to um, do that against Nathan Lyon. I think it was more, yeah, more the strategy. I think playing a bit aggressively was the, probably the right call. But when when you're chasing, you know, 312, 221, sorry, um, and you've only set 212, I think they just had to little, be a little bit cautious once they sort of approached the um, the lead that Australia, or sorry, not the lead, the um, the total that you know Australia had set, and once we were about to start lead, maybe then get a bit more aggressive. Um, but I think, yeah, the aggressive strategy, I think, was the right call. We just didn't play it uh, that well. And it's not necessarily lack of talent. I think it's just poor decision-making in the moment, which is something I, def I definitely think we need to work on 
Um, we had this issue, uh, you know, last year and the year before that with running between wickets. You know, there was a lot of hesitation at moments, and then you just see these embarrassing runouts where both batsmen are just standing in the middle of the pitch and not knowing what to do. So I think you know that's obviously a bit sorted out now, but I think just little bit more decision making needs to be uh, worked on in the Sri Lanka camp. But I, I think the talent's definitely there. Pratham Nisanka, I think he might his average might have tipped down a bit after this uh, the first test, but I think he averages somewhere above forty uh, in Test cricket. Um, Dimuth Karan has had an excellent twenty twenty one. He he's averaged sixty seven or sixty odd something. I'm not ex- I don't know the exact number, but he averaged very highly. Um, last year and as probably one of the best openers uh, of 2021 uh, in test cricket as well. Um, Kusal Mendes again, very man, but we saw um, how good, um, how good Nourish and Dick Weller played uh, in the first thing. So, you know, there's definitely talent there. It's not like there isn't talent. And also, yeah, get to mention Dun and Jai Silva. Uh, Chandimal's done stuff in the past. I don't know if he's any good now, but that's a different story, but there is definitely talent. I think it's just whether it was utilized correctly uh, and using the right decision-making is probably the, uh, the weak point in our team. Yeah, Ethan, I think a lot of credit does have to go to uh, Australia's bowlers. Um, I, I saw some statistics, the, the um, amount of turn that the Australian spinners were getting compared to the Sri Lankans. Um, it's not often you see it that we were getting about, I think a, almost a degree more turn um, on average, um, then the Sri Lankan spinners and also bowling a bit shorter than the Sri Lankan spinners, which uh, stopped it being able to be swept a, a bit also. So I think, you know, even Travis Head, yes, he's a he's a part-time spinner, but some of the balls he did to, to get some wickets there, they, they turned a long way and they were, they were quality bowls. So it was a great bowling performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it's surprising that the people who managed to get the most turn were, as you mentioned, Travis Head, who's a part-timer, and Nathan Lyon, who's more of a bounce bowler than a than a spinner, you'd, you'd say. Um, and, and it's puzzling how Sri Lanka weren't able to extract the same degree of turn, given that that's the conditions they're familiar with. Um, but yeah, credit's got to go to Australia. I mean, it's, it's not a, a massive load of credit, given that I think Navod's right. There was a, a change of intent from the Sri Lankan batsman that ended up being detrimental on this pitch. Uh, you're right with the head brought the length back um, and that made it, quite hard to sweep and you've still got to be selective even when you're aggressive uh, i don't think premeditation is necessarily the, the way to go about this um these pitches and you'd say that you know the person who arguably butted with the most comfort in cam green used both his feet and the sweep very well and you're able to adjust the length uh, what, what happened there was if you're too reliant on just the sweep alone and you don't have the same defense then the the bowlers can just drag the length back and then you're in a bit of a pickle and credit to australia for picking up on that that change they were able to recognize the game plan from the sri lankans and then there was a lack of adaptation uh, which ended up being really costly yeah and i yeah. think an important sorry yeah no, I think no, an no, important point um yeah with the sri lankan spinners is i think where more our spinners you see this a lot um, especially with bowlers like Hasaranga or Thikshan. I know they're white ball, but it still sort of applies with all our spinners. I think we're more uh, the type of spinners that need the pitch to sort of skid rather than turn. So we get our wickets when the, the spin just skids instead of turns, which you know, that might not it might explain or might not explain the, the lack of uh, turn that we got compared to Australia. But yeah, so it, it is what I think. Yeah, did this, I think did this- the, goal pitch um, skid less than normal pitches in Sri Lanka? Was it, or, you know, was this a stock standard Sri Lankan pitch? 
I, I don't think this is a really a stock standard pitch. I think we played West Indies. Yeah, West Indies last sort of November, December. And there was, I don't think there was this much turn there. So, uh, and we won that test, uh, the series actually. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it wasn't, I don't think necessarily the pitch didn't suit us. I just think we didn't utilize it correctly. Like uh, Prab said, um, the bowlers saw that, um, sorry, yeah, the Australian bowlers saw that they were going for the sweeps. So they pulled back the length, made it a bit shorter. And I don't think, I mean, our Ramesh Mendes did quite well, but I don't think the rest of our bowlers uh, quite did the same, did, did the same uh, as the Australian bowlers. So, yeah, definitely a few, um, few things to improve on there. Sure. And you'll definitely have quite a different team going into the second test than you um, had in the first with um, De Silva, Asitha, Fernando and Jeffrey van der Say all being out with COVID. And I think, am I right in saying that Embledenia um, has been dropped out out of the squad also? So the spinning lineup is going to be very different. Fictioner comes into the squad. Um, do you think he'll get a selection? And do you have more hope um, from, from him in the team uh, it, it, from in the spinning department? Yeah, so yeah, we have dropped Embledenia. And uh, yeah, we've had three players hit with COVID. Uh, so yeah, not great. Um, especially yeah, Dun and Jada Silva, I think, he is a handy spinner and he's, you know, quite, usually quite capable of the bat. Um, he has performed quite well in the past. So it is quite a hit um, for our side. Yeah, and that's why Matthews and Jai Wickram are also out with COVID. So Jai Wickram took 11 on his debut, uh, albeit against Bangladesh, but it was in at home in Bangladesh. So, um, yeah, that's something. Um, and Matthews, yeah, obviously a very good batsman and probably our best batsman in the side. So yeah. having those two out as well is... Um, really impacting our team i think um it'll be interesting how we go mahish dictioner i think should get a test cap not sure if it would be now or after he's played a, a bit more um i think yeah i mentioned this uh might have been a few podcasts ago but yeah in at least odis he's only played eight he's only taken eight wickets but out of those eight six have been from the top order so he he's quite effective that um, taking at the top order. But it'll be interesting to see him in test if he does debut. The other um, replacement that we brought in was Dunit Wellilagay. Um, he was the under-19 captain uh, for our side, and he's quite capable. I think he took, he was one of the lead wicket-takers in the ODI series. Oh, very well. Um, yeah, very well. Yeah, he bowled very well, yeah. And he's quite handy with the bat. He can make a few uh, quick runs. So he's quite good. It'll be interesting to see whether Sri Lanka uh, decides to cap Thikshana or... Uh, Will Alage, uh, I'll pronounce his name correctly that time, but um, it'll be interesting to see. I think um, Will Alage, because he's so young, he's only, I think he's like 19, he's pretty much um, very similar to our age. So I don't know if we should pick him now. I think it's a bit too young. I think let him develop a bit more uh, with his skills and yeah, uh, just yeah, play a bit more cricket, develop his craft a bit more, just develop a bit more consistency. I think Fiction has much better consistency than. Uh, with Alage, but of course, Dixon is a bit older and has played a bit more. It's important to note, though, both of them have only played a very small amount, uh, small number of first-class games. I think yeah, why Dixon is has that? only played... Why is that? Why I, I am not sure. I really have no idea why, but they haven't played... I think Dixon only played either three or eight, and Will Alage only started playing first-class a few years ago. So when he's are there... Around for a while. Are there some Sri Lankan spinners in the in the well, I don't know what it is the domestic cricket who are getting selected over um, Thinkshner and Walalago these sorts of people um, in the domestic team or is it just is that is that the reason is that why they're not getting selected or like what I 
I have no clue. The domestic setup, I'm not really familiar with it, uh, the, the yeah. Sri Lankan domestic setup. I think it was very good during the time of, you know, Sangakkara, um, Mahela, all of those players, but um, it's definitely taken a hit since then, um, I think. And I think there's still some really good talent, especially coming from spinners. Uh, but yeah, I think they've just seen what Thikshana and Willalage can do in international games in Whitehall. And I think they're hopeful that they'll translate uh, into test, but we'll see um, how it goes. Uh, whether they'll choose, I think the, the smart option to choose is Thikshana, just because he's a bit older, a bit more experienced. Um, and he, I think he's a little bit more consistent as, as of now uh, with the ball. So um, yeah, hopefully they pick Thikshana, but if they pick Willalage, I'll, I'll be happy with that as well. Yeah, and Ethan is right to say that they are both 19 and 21, um, respectively. So, you know, that also part of the reason why they haven't played many games, I probably have to yeah. say. Um, but Ethan, from the Australian perspective, um, there's some talk that, that we might be be making a change for the second test um, in terms of, of the batting. Um, obviously, we our batting look, looked quite... Some of the problems that we're now batting in the Ashes um, have shown signs that they're improving now with Cam Green um, playing well, both in Pakistan and Sri Lanka. And same with Alex Carey, even though he, he seems to, the first time he did a drive, um, he got out, but um, that's right. Still made a, a good, good 45 and not good in every other shot. But there's, there's talk that, that Maxwell might, might be brought in um, instead of Stark um, for the second test, which would be a big decision for Australia who, are normally very much more hesitant than sides like like India um, or even New Zealand to change the structure of the side and have sort of more batsmen, not have those four um, fixed bowlers there. Um, it, it would be quite a big move. Um, do you think it would be the right move? I think so. I, I think the, the pitches in Sri Lanka are arguably the most spin-dominant and useless for pace that, that you'll find in the world. And you just have to look at that that second innings. Stark bowled two overs, none for 23. And we didn't bowl Cummins and we bowled head over Cummins. And really what, what that shows you is, number one, you barely need one quick, let alone two. And Sri Lanka themselves will only play one pace bowler. And it begs the question, if you've got players who play spin very well, like Maxwell, who can also bowl some part-time spin, and we've shown that, part-time spin can be quite useful even with people like Travis Head why not just play the one quick strengthen the batting lineup and get someone who can actually partner Alex Carey down the bottom I mean Carey looks a very solid bat at number seven in these conditions and you wouldn't want him running out of partners if our tail capitulates <coughs> so it makes sense to sort of extend things down to eight and you don't really need more than two two frontline spinners. You can bowl one from either end. And then we've got plenty of part-time backups in head, Labashain and, and then Maxwell. So I, I, I'd like to see it happen. I don't think we need two quicks. Uh, I think that, that spot's being wasted. And it, it gives us an opportunity to give Maxwell a go in these conditions. And then we can evaluate if, if he does succeed, we can evaluate if he's got a place in that squad for India next year. And I think another thing uh, to add on that is Maxwell is an excellent player of spin. And considering that we're, we'll likely play three spinners in one pace, I think having Maxwell in the side is really valuable. I know I shouldn't say this as a Sri Lanka supporter, sort of giving the enemy some, some hints here. But um, yeah, having Maxwell 
Maxwell. I do like Maxwell, so I'll, I'll say this. But um, I think having Maxwell will be a really good uh, addition to the Australia side, especially, you know, as Prab said, he's a really good part-timer, really good. We've seen it in the IPL um, and in various other, you know, I think he might have bowled in the BBL as well. I'm not, I don't remember that far back, but he, he is a quite a capable spinner uh, and he's very good uh, against spin with the bat as well. So I think it's a, a very good call to add him in uh, in the eleven. Yeah, I think it probably probably the the best move would to be to have him in instead of head um, in in the subcontinent, yeah. but with head getting four wickets, so I don't think he's going to be dropped any time soon. The only issue with Stark is that he did take eleven wickets um, last series that that he played down in Sri Lanka, so he is good in Sri Lanka, but um, I I do think that um, yeah I do do probably agree that would be the right move. Very interesting um, to see how it would go. Um, as well okay well um probably time i know it hurts us to do it we've we've been doing it for as i say four weeks now um talking up england but we really do have to do it again because it was yet another remarkable performance um in the the fifth test against india obviously finishing off the series that india basically walked away from um last year and uh, I think other people have noted that the big thing about this match was that for probably three of the days, India were by quite some margin uh, the best side. Um, you know, you had Jadeja and Pant both scoring centuries in the first innings on the way to India's total of 416. Then you had England being dismissed for 284 um, with Bumrah and Siraj and Shami just looking unplayable. Uh, then the second innings wasn't absolutely perfect uh, for India. And then, indeed, in that fourth day, Stokes and Potts, it, it really was, did clean up um, the last few wickets of India to give England a chance. Um, but then, yet again, uh, it was England needing 378 runs to win. Well, not yet again. This was even more than their previous targets in the New Zealand game. And um, I think even you this time, Prabs, you were... Um, very confident about the English in the last uh, few tests about the ability to chase, but am I right? You you weren't even predicting them to be able to do this, were you? Yeah, it, it looked probably too much of a, a tall order. I think Winvis had them at about some somewhere around fifteen percent. I, I think it, it was it was more more of a chance than that. But I, I did fear if they lost early wickets like they did in the first innings, then it would just be just be too much chasing almost four hundred. Uh, but the thing that, that changed was they managed to get a, you know, an opening partnership going for the first time probably all summer. And after they were, you know, none for a hundred, you, you, you sort of sense the tide was turning. And you know, in all credits to England, they only had five people bat that innings, but four of them passed forty, and that was the first time that happened in in any innings. So they really rallied in that fourth innings and made it their own, and they, they looked more comfortable than than ever, really. Yeah, yeah, no, that that is that is for sure. They've almost they've almost done it easier each time um, that they've done it uh, in these four tests, which is a scary proposition, really. And really, the the thing that made it really possible was Joe Ruta and Bairstow just being in the form of their lives, and really two of the best batsmen in the game at the moment. Their tenth hundred hundred run partnership together, actually, Root one hundred and forty two and Bairstow one hundred and fourteen, both not out. Um, but, and really, the, the question after the New Zealand series was whether baseball would work uh, against a tougher bowling attack. Um, and this was 
definitely, I don't think anyone could say it wasn't a, a tough bowling attack. Boomer and Shami looked unplayable uh, at times through the match. But yet again, they were able to, to put the, the pressure back on them um, and cause some mistakes uh, from, from the India bowlers, uh, missing, messing up their lines, bowling some, some down leg. Um, to be fair, probably it was probably more their other bowlers, Shadu Thakur had one of the worst matches that I've seen from a, a bowler, to be honest. But um, uh, it, it worked again, Ethan. Uh, it, it really does seem to have a real effect on the on the opposition bowling, um, this baseball style of play. Yeah, I think teams just aren't really used to it. It's, it's sort of unconventional that batsmen play these sort of shots. I mean, you, you arguably need atypical field settings to manage people like Joe Root when they're playing reverse ram shots and... People haven't quite adjusted to baseball as of yet. So I do wonder eventually when, when tactics get sorted out, if it'll be something like Steve Smith where he, he shocks the world, first of all, and then people sort of start figuring him out and then he sort of mellows slightly. But what's interesting to me is England have played four tests and they've, they've chosen or, or ended up chasing in all four and they've won all four and fourth innings chases. Can this strategy hold up when England bat first? And will there ever be a, a case that England need to bat first? Because presumably when they win the toss, they'll just chase. And the old adage in cricket is that you you win the toss and you bat first. So I do wonder if opposition teams will now be tempted to have a bowl, even when conditions suggest, suggest a bat, just, just so England don't get that fourth innings chase and set up that they look so comfortable doing. Yeah, no, that, that's a very good point. The, the question I, I put to, to Pearson was why they... They can't really bat like they have been in the fourth innings um, in in the first innings, um, and but uh, yeah, he well he tried to claim that they they had been actually apart from this game, which I don't think is is quite true. But um, it was definitely uh, a superb batting performance. Um, just quickly a little bit more on the the bowlers. Um, Navod, uh, one of the one of the criticisms that I had of the baseball theory is, well, more a question of how it would work against a good spinner. Um, and we thought the good spinner would be Jadeja, um, but it's probably fair to say he didn't really have, well, maybe it's the strength of baseball, but he didn't really have much effect on the batsman. Many saying that he was bowling too flat, bowling too fast. Um, what, what did you think of uh, how they used the spinner um, in, that, in that fourth innings and then how England played against it? Yeah, um, it's very interesting how India used the spinner. I think, yeah, I think really, yeah, I don't think Jadeja was really utilised that well. I thought um, he could have bowled a little better. I mean, his figures in the end don't look too bad. But, um, yeah, really, I think just, I think it was mainly the pace uh, that really affected um, India's performance. Um, I think, I mean, mainly I'm talking about Shadul Thakur and um who am I thinking who's other one first? Siraj. um yeah. yeah Siraj that's right I think Siraj I, I know this is white ball again but Siraj had a really bad IPL it must be said he was quite expensive and I, I think he's I think he's fallen fallen a little bit out of form since uh the actual the other four tests last year um where you know he was I thought he was really good last year but you know he his economy at the end was 5.73. The cause was 6.85. So I think not having those, you know, and, and the core last year as well was quite good, I thought, uh, in England. So not having those pace bowlers backing you up, I think may have sort of 
affected Jadeja's ability to sort of make an impact because he doesn't have that backing uh, as much from the pace fallers. I know, um, I know Siraj took fourth, but you know, he was still quite expensive, went for 66 runs out of uh, the 11 and a half overs that he went for. So yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was quite a tricky, um, I think, for, for Jadeja out there, um, especially without the backing. Uh, of the of you know the, the good pace attack, I think Umrah bowled quite well and and Shami bowled quite well, but um, not having you know the full backing uh, might have affected Jadeja a little bit. Yeah, no, that that's a good point, and also the the pitch really didn't break up yet again. They have been well prepared pitches for um, the style yeah. of play England are playing. Um, another question on England's side of things um, again with was Zach Crawley, uh, Ethan, you. You predicted him to get the South Africa series no matter what, I think, basically. Um, but he did, in fairness to him, have a, a pretty good batting performance. Uh, it was only 46 off 76. But uh, to me, he definitely showed signs of, of a lot of improvement. We know, and he showed again, how many shots he has and how destructive a batsman he can be. Um, you know, some drives off the legs. He's got all the shots, um, but he also left a lot more, looked a lot better. Um, do you think, did you see uh, in him the sign that he can still be their um, opener uh, of choice? I think so. I think when McCullum and Stokes began their partnership, it's almost like a clean slate for all the batsmen. And we've sort of got to put aside the, you know, the, the pitfalls of Crawley's career that, thus far and sort of say, when you look at him, he, he looks like a, a test match batsman. He looks like he's got the talent. Yes, he's been playing, you know, questionable shots, but I don't think he's had enough time to really adapt to the style that McCullum wants him to, to bat with. And certainly he's been picked on potential. He's been picked on an aesthetic bias. But when he gets going, he looks like a proper batsman and he looks like someone who can be destructive. And, yeah, I, I think he'll, he'll get the South Africa series. Um, you wouldn't drop someone off. Of four tests, I don't think, especially with this new regime. So to me, he deserves a bit more time to really try and get him batting how the coaching staff want him to bat. Yeah, and the thing is, he has shown that that when he does perform, um, he is very good. But uh, as Pearson keeps point uh, keeps pointing out, he really isn't a, a fan of Crawley. He's done it four times in forty four innings, basically. Um, so really. He has struggled, but as you say, new chance under Brendan McCann. Think everything in you. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how it, it goes uh, from there. Um, just quickly on Johnny Bester, another incredible performance. He's scored four um, centuries in his past five games. I think an eighty um, in the fifth of those games, and was it six centuries this year? Um, Goes in, jumps into into the top ten um, as someone on this podcast predicted. Um, for our own sake, um, I won't say who it was because you know he's already got a big enough ego um, as it is. But uh, it was predicted by a cricket central person. <laughs> we'll say that much. Jumps into the top ten, knocks out Coley, um, who drops down to thirteenth um, outside of the top ten for the first time since twenty sixteen, I think. Uh, in the process. Um, just how good is Bairstow batting at the moment, Ethan? Well, who, who, who could have seen this coming, really? Uh, we, we laughed. We laughed at the, the prospect of Johnny being in the top 10 probably about six months ago, but he's been completely transformed by this, this new England brand, new brand of English cricket. I mean, at the start of the series, 
even Pearson himself was was considering dropping him from the side. So it's not like he's been on fire this this whole time, even though he's been sort of in and out of the runs. But this new intent has, has really transformed him. And one thing that's notable about this change of English fortune, it's it's largely the same players. It's it's just a different mindset. And there's there's the famous quote: "The cricket's a mental game." And if anything, Johnny Bairstow is proving that. It's the exact exact same batsman. Uh, there's there's not been any major technical changes. It's it's just batting with an intent and, and a new game plan, and and it's turned everything on its head. People don't know how to bowl to him, and he, he's hitting runs for for fun. And he's he's arguably outdone Joe Root, who in himself is the best batsman in the world and is an unreal touch. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's unbelievable, really, that that Johnny manages to keep keep doing it, test in, test out. Um, but you, but you do wonder how long can this last and who's, who's going to figure him out and how do you figure it out are the big questions that South Africa will have to, to think about. Yeah, no, that, that's a, a very good point. And it's just, it's quite remarkable to see two batsmen in the same team, quite often batting together, just in absolutely perfect touch, just picking every ball, um, playing the exact right shot uh, for every ball, just, you know, in batting paradise, um, both at, at the same time. So Really, that's been a large part of England's success uh, has just been how good um, they've both been. Um, and now on Joe Root, um, he moves past Coley and Smith um, onto 28 test centuries now um, and has had an incredible three years, really, um, in, in 2019. Um, well, since, since 2019, this is the, the best stat to show just how remarkable it has been. Since 2019, he scored 11 centuries um, to Smith's and Coley's one century each. So it's he's really rocketed. Um, uh, well, you know, it, in, in comparison to them, he, he's definitely been the greatest batsman. But I guess more broadly, um, the question now starts to ask, you know, evaluating the careers of all of them, they've all sort of had purple patches and times where they've been out and out the best batsman in the world. But out of Coley, Smith, Root and Williamson, um, the big question for you guys, which one of them would you say over the course of his career uh, has been the, the best batsman? I will start with you, Navod. Oh, it's very, it's very, it's a very interesting question. I think for me, yeah, for me, I think it has to be Root. I think, I know he had a little bit of, um, you know, he was a little bit patchy when, sort of Smith and Coley sort of rose to whereas Coley and Smith, you know, now you can see that, especially Coley, um, hasn't, they haven't really made an impact um, since, you know, they peaked around that 2018, 2019 sort of period. So for me, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Joe Root. He, he has all the shots and it's just, yeah, especially his on drive. I just love watching him play that on drive. It's absolutely fantastic. I know Coley has a really nice drive as well, but, you know, we haven't really seen him do that much, um, you know, apart from that, you know, he hasn't really scored that many runs. So, yeah, my my, my vote has to go for Joe Root, I think. Ethan? It, it's a tough one. I think, as you mentioned, like, they all average around the 50 mark and then you've sort of got Steve Smith at the 60 mark who sort of sits head and shoulders above the rest. And then you sort of look at the purple patches and think, well, who's been the most consistent over time? And, you know, Smith and Coley are in a bit of a rut. Joe Root now has really jumped up. But, you know, before that, in, in the probably three years before 2020, he, he was on the decline and people almost had him in the lower category of, 
of batsmen. So I'd probably say arguably Williamson's the most consistent, um, but then you've always got to consider the, the actual teams they're playing in. And over the last few years, Australia, India, and New Zealand have been quite strong sides. And I don't think you could say the same about England. And, and some of the pitches certainly that they have played on and, and their whole team's batting averages in, in themselves are, are lower. So I think there's definitely a strong case to be made that Joe Root is significantly underrated. And certainly the, the, the Nick he's in now, um, considering it's been a, a, across such a long period of time, you know, rivals some of the big, the big runs of those top four batsmen in their careers. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point. I, I would, as a big Steve Smith fan, I would probably still have to go Steve Smith. Um, you know, 20, 27 centuries in only 86 matches compared to Coley's 102 or Roots 121. You spoke about the average of still almost 60. Um, but the thing I probably would say for Root is when you're watching him, no other batsman just exudes class um, as Joe Root does and just the ability to, um, just the timing he has and the shot making that he has uh, is brilliant. And then for Coley, um, you've got to say, if you bring in 2020 and one day cricket as well, Coley really gets to a bit of a lead there. I think he's got about over 50 um, international centuries, including T20 and one day. So neither Root or, or Smith or Williamson's um, had that level of success. So there's something you can say about all of them probably, um, but definitely at the moment, um, Joe Root, far and away, the best batsman. Um, another topic uh, from this test match oh actually before i move on to that um i'll just ask you a bit of a specific topic but um what did we make of ben stokes's bowling um, performance in the second innings i thought he was sort of back to his best a little um with his bowling ethan one beautiful ball to dismiss Virat coley just absolutely jumped off a, a length to getting caught we uh, all love seeing that one uh, what did you make of his bowling performance Ben Ben Stokes is is very underrated with the ball. Uh, not only because he he bowls very big overs sometimes, and and you've got to think like how many all rounders in in cricket who aren't spinners can can bowl you know twenty overs in a day and almost act like a, a fourth seamer. And I, arguably, he's is one of the only ones. And the fact that he can out bowl Anderson Broad and Potts on an English deck is is mighty impressive. And four for thirty three off eleven. 7.5 overs. He bowled with economy. He bowled with control, and he, he's he is a bit of a point of difference in the way in his action, the way he hits the deck, and and he bowled you know superbly well. And I guess the question mark with the Stokes captaincy was with the the workload of captaining and batting, would he would his bowling suffer? Would, would he you know go easy on himself? And it arguably says under bowled himself in that New Zealand series. His excuse was. Uh, or his reasoning was, was that he he wanted to back his bowlers, but but certainly when when he had his chance, he stepped up and it was, an, it was a very impressive spell that was pivotal pivotal in uh, restricting India to a sub four hundred lead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He probably had to um, do something to make up for his quite poor batting performance, where he took baseball a bit far and just tried to yeah. slow it. <laughs> Um, but the other bowler for England um, was Matthew Potts taking two wickets. Stokes took four. And I thought Potts really um, was crucial with Stokes at uh, really changing the game there. And with his sort of shorter bowling, bowling at the body, um, he really turned the, the game well there. Finally, um, on uh, the other story from this game, Pajara 
um, is he back in form? 66 off 168. It was a very Pajara-esque innings um, until his dismissal, which uh, he slashed at one and got caught at, at point. Uh, Navod, what, what did you make of him? He's still uh, a uh, someone who can be in their team going forward. I think he played before he went out, obviously. I think he played quite well. Um, I, we saw, you know, he had a really good county season, um, had some, got some crazy runs. Um, and I think, yeah, the English conditions, I think he's sort of gotten used to that. And we saw that in the county and we saw that in this innings, in the second innings. Well, I thought he said, I, I'm sorry, I thought he played quite well, but um, yeah, it was just a very weird shot sort of to go out on. Um, he just cut it and then he was just caught a backward point. So um, it was it was a bit weird. I mean, I thought whether whether he should still be in a side, I think it depends definitely on where they're playing. Um, if it's somewhere like Australia or England, I think definitely Pujara is a, is a good uh, a good pick. But um, it's it'll be interesting to see um, when they yeah whenever they play uh, in a more spinny sort of uh, pitch whether he'll be able to cope. Um, yeah, I thought he played really well uh, in this innings though. There are still big questions um, on India's batting lineup. We had Pajara opening today, but you would presume he would drop back down um, the order a bit when Robert Sharma comes back, obviously the captain at, at the moment. But their three to six um, at the moment, Ethan, is really quite poor. You've spoken about it before um, with Hanuma Vahari, Kohli, Pant was very good, um, but also Shreyas Iyer, um, ex- with the exception of Pant, all of them... Uh, really not looking that great yet again. Yeah, I, I don't really think it's as strong as a three or six as, you know, the the past Indian sides, really. And if you think back to back to the days where Pajara and Kohli were dominating cricket and you had Rahane in, in form slotting in there at five, it certainly looks, you know, markedly weaker. I, I do think Pajara will probably slot in in that number three spot over Hanuma Bihari when Rohit and Rahul come back into the side. Um, Coley, he'll he'll keep his spot despite despite some discussions on on this podcast that suggest otherwise. Punt looks in form, and Treas Iyer I think is a bit like Zach Crawley. Obviously, he hasn't had quite quite the level of poor performance, but I, I'd say he's a player with a lot of talent who can be in a destructive mode. I think he hit a hundred on debut on a very difficult wicket, but he's just not got the the Test match cricket smarts at the minute, and it was a very cheap dismissal in that second innings and. You'd hope with experience that he he can turn into a sort of solid batsman. And then, you know, depending on form, that, that three to six can easily become formidable once again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Bahari is definitely the one who needs to um, go at the moment. He just, a bit of a nothing batsman, really. He didn't, didn't score any runs, but doesn't really defend that well either. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, a far cry from their batsman of, of old. Um, okay, more generally, um, Steve Smith had something to say about Bazball. Um, he uh, said, I'd like to see what happens um, on a, a grassy pitch with, with Hazelwood, Cummins and Stark bowling, um, which is probably a fair point. Um, but uh, I, it was interesting to see. I saw that Crick Viz um, showed that uh, out of Nottingham, Leeds and Birmingham, um, this test at, at Birmingham at Edgebaston had 8.5 um, degrees of inconsistency. Not sure exactly what that means, but higher than Leeds, which was 7.4, and Nottingham, which was 6.3. So 
uh, this was the hardest pitch um, to bat on in the fourth innings. This was on, uh, and um, they did it easier than the rest. So potentially, um, baseball does work on a harder innings, and potentially Smith's uh, a bit wrong on, on this one. Uh, what, what do we what do we think of this, uh, Navod? Yeah, look, I think Smith brings raises a quite a good point. It's England conditions, it's home conditions. I think they're quite good. I mean, I know we had doubts of England's uh, form before uh, McCollum came in, but you know, we saw them play against um, India last year uh, when the series was actually happening, and it was quite. I thought it was quite, for the most part, even, quite evenly po- poised. I think both sides played really well with both bat and ball. So, yeah, it's. Um, it's, it's tricky to say as of yet. I think baseball is very intriguing. Um, that's definitely true. Um, and what they've done is is no no short of incredible. But it will be, I think Smith does raise a good point. It will be interesting to see when the conditions become a little bit more tricky, especially um, in the batting side, when it's a bit more tricky on green pitches, on spinning pitches, um, whether England will, conti- will be able to continue this uh, baseball sort of trend or whether they'll have to, I think, adapt a little bit and... Uh, change a little bit. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, once um, England play their next series uh, away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, incredible is definitely the way to describe it. Um, yeah. The the highest successful run chase of England, 378 runs. Absolutely brilliant stuff. But um, perhaps uh, we haven't even seen the the most of the, 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 the biggest uh, representation of, of baseball. I'm trying to find the right word here, but um, there's talk for Ben Stokes saying that instead of um, a night watchman, um, they might bring in um, uh, someone that they, they're calling it a night hawk. Um, the idea being that you bring in someone like Stuart Broad who can um, whack the cover off the ball for the last couple overs of, of the day. Um, Ethan, you weren't too uh, impressed with this concept. Yeah, I, I think the, the purpose of it, Night watchman is to you know, protect the incoming or the, or the next batsman from from batting in very tough conditions, and to me, sending in a, a weaker tail batsman just to slog in what's supposed to be you know some of the harder conditions to to bat when when the the light fades and and the bowlers are often have a, an extra burst of energy at the end of the day. I, I'm not a massive fan of that. I, I think. Rather than slogging and going for thirty off ten, as, as Soaks suggests he wants, I think there's there's just a place for just batting normally. I think Stuart Broad in it, in the normal way he bats, is is aggressive enough, and sure he'll he'll take up balls, you know, just just batting properly and and hopefully that's enough to prevent the next batsman from coming to the crease. But I think if you try and treat it like it's thirty off ten or or golden duck, and it doesn't really matter which one happens. You you might get the worst out of both worlds in the sense that you might just get the next batsman at the crease, and you you have a weakened tail as well. And particularly with someone like folks at seven, who's he's, he's not an aggressive batsman. He, he's he's an accumulator, and the the less partners, the worse for someone like him. So personally, I I, I think it'll be an interesting experiment. I don't think Jack Leach is any good as a night watchman anyway. So. You know, if, if they just want to make Stuart Broad a, a night watchman, that's fine by me. But if he comes out there and, and goes even more aggressive than he actually bats, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if he gets more golden ducks than 30 off 10s and, and the idea doesn't really work. I think it will come under major scrutiny if he gets out cheaply and then the next batsman ends up getting out cheaply and then 
Ben Stokes might have his tail between his legs, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I think yeah. just to add on to that, I think perhaps this could be sort of an adaptation for England uh, with the basketball in different conditions. Maybe they might feel like, you know, uh, we need to play a bit more aggressive at the end of the day. Um, and it's not England conditions. So let's send out someone. I, I think the, the name is a bit ridiculous, but let's send out an aggressive night watchman such as Broad um, to just slog a few. It'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, as Prab said, um, but yeah, perhaps maybe this could be some way that England sort of adapt their basketball for non-home conditions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, what 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 name do you want for other than night off? I guess it has to be the opposite of a night watchman, so what, a night just, robber, just, a night robber or something. <laughs> just call them just call them night watchmen, and so you have plural, so you have multiple. If if one goes out playing aggressive, then you have the normal <laughs> one just you know blocking away. I don't know. Nighthawk just seems a bit ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Finally, before we move on, I just saw one last stat here, which I was a bit surprised about. Um, for by Johnny Bairstow scoring um twin centuries in a test match for the first time since Andrew Strauss um in two thousand and eight um against India, which was um a lot longer ago than I I thought it um, probably would have been. India, so uh, another very um, impressive performance by Johnny Bairstow. Of course, the the cricket doesn't end for the English, though, as they play three T20s and then three ODIs against India, one of which um, Pearson Lynch will be at. Um, so hopefully we'll get some good commentary on that one. But um, the, the squads have been announced um, for those series now. India have got a different squad for their second for the second and third T20s that they have for the first one with a few there with the test players getting a, a bit of a rest on the first one. Um, but uh, what, what struck your eye about the, the squads um, for, for this, uh, Ethan? Well, I think just the, the fact that in, in that first T20, there's, there's no test players at all from, from either side, really. Um, Rohit, Rohit Sharma is going to captain for India and it'll be Josh Butler captaining in the absence of, Owen Morgan, who's retired for, for England. And there's, there's a lot of really fresh names and for both sides who've, I guess, got a, a lot to prove. I think but both teams had, you know, World Cups where they arguably underperformed. And, and there's, always, there's always room in T20 for little adjustments to your squad, particularly around the balance and makeup of who you play at number seven. Um, so it'll be a good opportunity for people like Phil Saltz and Harry Brook uh, Dinesh Kartik, Deepak Huda to, to step up, e even if they only get one game, um, because, you know, certainly, and especially in COVID times, the, the door's always open for, you know, surprise selections and, and little alterations in, in the makeup of your team. Yeah, for sure. I think for India, they don't really know what their best 11 is at the moment. Is, would that be fair to say? So definitely yeah. they'll be answered. Yeah, I, I think they've got so much depth which is almost almost their problem and and, and that's the surprising thing with someone like a Hanuma Bahari in test matches it just seems mediocre and if you're India with with the level of depth that they have it just seems puzzling like how someone like that makes makes your side and even in the the India sort of their sort of a team that they almost play in in t20s around the world you know they they can beat most opposition um, South Africa included and so there's, there's plenty of players there that have, have a case to make and what India don't want is is more mediocrity in, in, in their first 11 so certainly I think they've they've almost been spoiled for choice in, in recent times with with their depth 
and they really just need someone to be in the form of their life and, and claim that spot with two hands. Good to see um, Vuvneshwar Kumar in the squad as well, someone you've championed for a while. So do you reckon he'll be he'll be uh, in their, their best team? I think the, the bowling attack is always an interesting one for, for India. You'd, you'd definitely say Boomer and Shami will play. And so who is their third seamer? Um, Navod mentioned Siraj has been having a time to forget. So I, I think Vuvneshwar Kumar is, is the logical choice for that spot. Um, and I, I reckon he, he had a successful series in the, the T20s that England played in India. So if he can replicate that, then I, I think it'll answer some more questions for India's selection with, with their pace attack. Another right. possible addition that I was thinking of uh, as that third seamer spot is Umran Malik. I thought he was really good uh, in the IPL. He, he bowls that you know, raw pace that we've seen. Uh, from the likes of like Archer, uh, Wood, um, that's all I can really, that really, all that really comes to mind. But Mitchell. I think, yeah, Mitchell, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, not not in recent years, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I think he's he's quite the talented bowler. I think um, the more games he plays, the better. It's it's just like with Sri Lanka with our spitters. I mean, just get him. He's quite young. The more experience he get, I, I, he gets. I think is is the, is the better um, is better for his development. I think one concern with playing Umar Malik is just with that raw pace, it's very hard to be accurate. Um, you know, the, the best, you know, fast, really fast paced bowler uh, and with, with accuracy I can think of is probably either Archer or someone like Brett Lee, who they bowled, you know, extremely quick, but they still had, you know, impeccable accuracy, um, you know, here and there, obviously, but, um, you know, for the most part, quite consistent. So I think that's one little area for Umar Malik to, to work on, but I think, uh, yeah, if, if Booby doesn't play, I think by all means, uh, Umran Malik should have a go. And uh, England, uh, without Owen Morgan, um, how do you see the series going more, more generally, Nevon? Yeah, it'll be very interesting. I think Owen Morgan had a great tenure as, as captain, maybe not so much with the bat, but definitely tactics-wise, I think he was one of the best uh, captains England's had, uh, at least in Whitehall. Uh, for, for a long time. I think he was really, really fantastic um, and also had a, a World Cup win, I think a World Cup final uh, under his belt, uh, under his tenure. So it'll be really interesting how it goes. Joss Butler, I think, was the right call to make as captain. Um, he's quite an aggressive batsman. He's, he's in the top of form in white ball, uh, not, not so much red ball, but that's fine. I think keeping him as a white ball especially is, is the, the way to go. Whether his, we'll have to see, obviously, this is his first um, series and first game as a captain. I know, especially during the Ashes, one of my comments was he was just so dead and stone cold on the pitch. Like, he, he didn't do anything. You see other wicketkeepers like Pant, um, Carey, you know, back in the day, Tim Payne. Um, they're all very, very active. Um, they're all, they all talk a lot. They all support the team really well. But you didn't see any of that with, with Joss Butler. He was just there and he was just you know he, he took some good catches but he was just really dead I thought so I think as a captain you really need to have that sort of energy to, to push the team just like we're seeing with Stokes uh, and and Basball um, whether Josh Butler will you know find that energy I think he has a bit more energy in Whitehall just because of his form uh, right now and the way he plays so it'll be really interesting to see uh, how he goes as captain. Yeah you're right I, I suspect it will be a different style of captaincy to Morgan and more sort of lead by example than sort of actually pointing out things on the field going by, by Butler's um, demeanour. Um, anything else to, 
talk about on this topic, Ethan? Oh, not a not a whole whole lot really. I, I think just just with the the confidence factor around Butler is is a major major point. I mean, there's when you play club cricket, everyone will will tell the tell you that catching is confidence, but it's almost that like the the brand of cricket you play is is confidence. And certainly with someone like Butler, I think he he lacks the the confidence and belief that he can really play at that test level. But that's certainly not not the case in in white ball cricket. And he he's got the confidence there. He he, he plays with authority and. You know he's, he's he's one of the best in the world, so it, it it'll be interesting to see if his batting changes in in any form, if he becomes perhaps more responsible or he he goes about it differently. I, I wouldn't think much will change, but yeah, it'll be it'll be good to good to see if if he is more vocal and involved, or if he is a bit more reserved and, and laid back in, in the captaincy role. Yeah, and with England, the team they had, they have. It, it seems hard to imagine how they could lose any game, really. But, um, you know, India's definitely got a good side as well. So definitely be an interesting series to watch. Um, but, of course, the, the next one coming up is Australia-Sri Lanka. Second test tomorrow. We'll be eagerly watching that, hope, hoping for a good performance for Sri Lanka. It's a bit cruel that they've had this many things with COVID. It just all seems to be going wrong for them over there at the moment. But um, you never know out, out of the, the ashes of disaster, a, a great uh, victory could be born um i certainly i certainly hope so yeah <laughs> yes yes and we'll be doing some hopefully doing some videos after each day that we're, we're doing now so make sure to follow along for that um but um i think that brings us to the end of the podcast today it runs very smooth without um pearson so it seems like we haven't been going for long enough but um no i, I think uh, it's a good time to end thank you for coming on guys yeah thanks, thanks for having us. me And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.